Good morning, folks. All right, all right. Good morning, folks. Today is September 28th. It's Wednesday. We're halfway there, folks. Welcome to episode number 207 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, you and I and all of chat will be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be providing expert analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to be asked in an interview, how do you stay current? This is the answer. You're going to get real value out of this, so please settle in. We're going to we're going to have a good time. We're in for a treat today. Now, shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors before we go any further. Really, really appreciate them supporting the show. Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor, longtime stream sponsor. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive people, massive, like basically <laughs> business stopping impact. Uh, massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. So Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by the cyber incidents, reduce that impact, make the time to recover faster. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Also, shout out and love to Recon InfoSec. Listen, it, Recon's InfoSec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC. If you guys are in the market for an MDR, I know it's not like, you know, buying a loaf of bread or something like that, but when you do decide it's time to get an MDR, um, you should do your due diligence and look around. Recon InfoSec, a security company run by security people also got this cool shirt that they sent me thank you recon infosec proud to be affiliated with y'all i want to remind you guys if you hold professional certifications that require cpe so congratulations you've got a CISP, a cisa sysm you know security plus whatever it is congratulations but you do have to maintain it by getting continuing education each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing just like this one is worth half a cpe you typically need 40 a year, 120 over a three-year period. That's kind of the standard in the industry. By doing Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, you get two and a half a week, 10 a month, 120 a year, three times faster than what you actually really need. So be sure to say what's up in chat, like Stephen Kell saying, howdy folks, L. Scott Muno is talking about this sharp shirt. Thank you, Scott L. Scott. Um, just say what's up in chat. It's, it's like saying here in a meeting, a roll call, it's forensically burned into the stream right over here. And any auditor can go back and look at it. And because you're going to be documenting, you know, hopefully, hopefully you like what you hear here and you stick around hundreds of these episodes, you're going to want to be able to point to the evidence. So just hashtag team live in chat if you get it. Um, and that's fine. If you are live, Love it. Thank you for being here so much. I appreciate it. The 8 a.m. slot is much more popular. We're at 68 people right now. People will be settling in. 
I definitely uh, want to get started. If you are on replay, drop a hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Thanks so much for catching the stream. I see you guys on replay talking about hashtag uh, Team Replay and then always some commentary. Chris, Chris Weaver's always dropping some knowledge in there. Nick Barker, the West Coast uh, contingent, always dropping knowledge. I, I appreciate y'all doing that. Uh, if you are on replay, by the way, guys, just so you remember, I don't pump this enough, but you can consume the Simply Cyber, Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing on your audio podcast app of choice. So if you go to like Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google or whatever and type in Simply Cyber, there is an audio version. This right here, what I'm saying, these words coming out of my mouth, will be posted to the podcast right after the show ends. So like in an hour, you can consume it. So if audio is more your jam or you need your hands to do something, I don't know what to do with my hands, um, you can get it on the podcast, okay? So please check that out. But for the next two minutes, if you're on replay, you can skip ahead. But for the next two minutes, I'm going to be saying what's up to chat uh, and just welcoming everybody, having some uh, some coffee with you. And guys, oh yeah, it's two things. One, it's Worldwide Wednesday. So we actually have the two-minute uh, cycle here to uh, potentially hit hit the hit the world let's hit the world and if you can i see people in chat thank you so much do take a moment and hit the like button we don't always pump the like button but we're trying an experiment here to see if we get pushed up to google's front page of like hey this looks interesting for cyber people what's up jeremy williams good to see you guys guys let's do the um let's do worldwide wednesday um let's do worldwide wednesday Hit me up. Hit me up. Where are you at? Norway. Europe in the house right out the gate. Carrie's from Texas, so we got North America. UK with just a bite. New Orleans. So North America and Europe are holding strong. Internal stranger, you're always you're always uh, solid for our um, <laughs> for our oh my god our Australia uh, contingent. Team Charleston in here. Low country living. Looks like the storm's not going to hit us too bad. Arkansas, Arizona. Yeah, I will. I, that munchkin, that's a great idea. There we go. Australia. Oi, oi, oi. Love it. So now we got Australia, Europe, North America. Can we get can we get some Asia action, some Africa action, and some South America action? South America is typically tough. Uh, we got Virginia in the house. Very nice. North Carolina. Q and Sebasti coming in from India. Woo, woo. We got India. All right, guys. So Asia's in the house. We, we need Africa and um south america south africa in the house lay philosophy my man all right guys all we need is south america no jumping on vpns and popping out of brazil guys we we gotta we gotta come in strong here come in strong oh this is this couldn't even be more perfect daft punk around the world guys caribbean dr jamaica i love it i love it guys I hope everything's fine down in the Caribbean in the DR uh, after the storms. Um, Fal Falina, Folia, Fonia. I can't. I, I get it confused. But whatever. There's storms a brewing right now, guys. We got about 35 seconds left. 35 seconds left for South America. If you're in South America right now, give a shout out. Let us know where you're coming from. We're trying to go around the world. Fiona, thank you, Munchkin. Thank you, BSEC. Oh, come on. Honduras, Central America. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, I don't know if we're going to be able to run Worldwide Wednesdays. Oh, Felicia. Very funny. 
Nice. Adrivel Ruiz, giving some love on the GRC course. I love it. St. Kitts in the house. Thank you. My man, Matt Mears. Love Matt Mears in the house, everybody. Love me some Matt Mears. All right, guys. Be safe in Florida, Kimberly, Miami, the whole Miami contingent, the Miami sound system. Be careful down there, guys. All right, guys. I think Daft Punk will be our official Wednesday. Yeah, no South America Day. Looks like we didn't we didn't hit it. That's all right. I'll have to I'll have to uh, let, I'm gonna start targeting South American people on LinkedIn. Hi, I see you're living in South America and into cyber. Perhaps you perhaps you'd be interested in joining joining Wednesdays. Oh my god. Alright guys. Love it, love it, love it. Let's let's uh roll this back here. Thanks for the like buttons for helping push us into the front. Looks like we're at 98 people. We're gonna get into the news right now, everybody. Happy hump day. I uh your boy didn't get the uh hold on one second. Talk amongst yourselves. There we go. All right. Well, if someone does come in from South America, we'll take it as a as a uh, as a as a as a late win. Uh, I got some great stuff to share with you at the break. Uh, some upcoming projects, guys. You know, I love the upcoming projects, so we'll share that. But for now, sit back, <clears throat> relax, and let's get into the news, y'all. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Lazarus Group targets macOS users. We've seen a number of threat groups use the surging job market as a perfect vector for cyber attacks. The security researchers at Sentinel One report that the North Korea linked Lazarus Group operates a campaign targeting macOS users. This lures users with job offers at crypto.com. Asset and Malwarebytes reported on the campaign originally last month targeting Windows users with similar crypto-related jobs. It's not clear how the campaign specifically delivers the initial malware payload. Some reports suggest private messaging on LinkedIn. These likely represent short-term campaigns focused on theft, given the threat actors do not obfuscate any binaries in the attacks. Yeah. Geopolitics by oh, recent on, hold on, DDoS hold on, hold on. search. It seems like... A hold on. Um, so, of course... Okay, so a couple things here. One, Lazarus Group's targeting macOS users. All that means is that they're writing malware that will work on macOS. Now, it says it targets the Mac O um, binary, or like I thought the Mach O was a chip architecture, but um, if I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken. Um, I I'm confused about the Mach O. I'm familiar with it in, in that I recognize the name, but I thought the chip architecture went from Intel based to the M1 silicon chip, uh, the Mach O, I thought that that was more about how the operating system was developed um, to work on the chip architecture. L long story short, I, I don't know, like I believe that it says targets Mac OS users, but this would only affect one, either the M1 chip people or the Intel chip people, it wouldn't affect both because the malware won't run on both. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So first of all, that cuts this partially in half, okay? Second of all, Lazarus Group is the North Korean APT. If you haven't heard of Lazarus Group, take, take note. You should definitely be familiar with Lazarus Group. If you already know about them, you know exactly why I'm telling you that, or telling the folks that. 
if you haven't heard of Lazarus Group, they are North Korea's financially motivated APT. They're, they're basically how North Korea funds their GDP. Instead of having exports and imports because they're an authoritative regime with you know walls that they don't let people out. Um, the way that they fund their defense systems, their te weapon technology developments, their country is through Lazarus Group stealing money all over the place. So this doesn't surprise me that Lazarus Group is targeting individuals. I must say they must be getting kind of desperate, honestly, because normally they target either businesses or they target straight up platforms like the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge um, that has all the crypto itself. Targeting individuals with fake job ads for crypto.com basically means they're trying to pre-screen individuals who are already into crypto, likely would have crypto wallets, Bitcoin wallets, all these things, um, in order to, I assume, steal those individuals' holdings. But to me, it's like it's like um, sticking your hand in like an opaque pillowcase and pulling out, you know, like a, a pool ball and hoping you get you know, uh, well, this is such a terrible metaphor, but it, it's like you could hit someone who has no money, who has a little bit of money, who's holding uh, some altcoin that is not worth anything. When you attack like the the Bangladeshi internet, uh, the Bangladeshi country's bank for a billion dollars, or you attack the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge, both Lazarus did. You know for a fact that that's a rich target, right? All your effort, all your time, all your energy is spent knowing that there's a payout at the end. This right here seems kind of honestly beneath Lazarus Group because their return on investment it has a probability of, of having zero or, or very low. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if they're bored and they're doing it like for like lottery or if they're actually um, hard pressed to find soft targets because people who work in that crypto space, uh, like businesses are actually hardening their stuff, which I doubt, honestly. Crypto bros, <laughs> I, I don't think they're securing their stuff as well as they can. But anyways, all that's a long way to say, there is a bigger story here of threat actors targeting individuals, regardless of the operating system that they run, regardless of the industry that they're targeting. Threat actors are targeting individuals with fake job ads to get them to install software. We saw this before with like Trojanized Putty, uh, a Putty Trojanized Putty client, uh, and said that you have to use this Putty client in order to access some type of um, lab environment for for us to do like a technical practical skills interview uh, assessment, right? So if you're looking for a job, you're in a position of weakness typically, and you will do whatever they ask you to do, include install an app in order to connect to their lab environment because you want that job. You want to demonstrate your capabilities. Scumbags like this are taking advantage of that. It sucks. Be, be on the lookout. 2022, we've talked about another record-breaking DDoS attack every couple of weeks or so. A new report from Netscout found that these likely came from a rise in wars and regional disputes in the year. The company tracked over 6 million DDoS incidents, finding they used 57% more bandwidth than last year. The overall number of DDoS attacks remained consistent with last year. The extra bandwidth reflects more intensity. Countries with ties to the war in Ukraine saw the most impact. Finland saw a 258% increase in DDoS attacks since applying for NATO membership. Ireland, India, Taiwan, Belize, Romania, Italy, Lithuania, Norway, Poland, and Latvia also saw notable increases. Okay.
Okay, a couple things here. One, you know, basically they're saying increase in distributed denial of service attacks. Um, obviously, there's a there's a global conflict going on right now with multiple countries involved, um, mostly spearheaded by Russia against Ukraine. Guys, you've got to remember a couple things. One, it, it is easy to get people to opt into distributed denial of service attacks if they are, you know, uh, like, into the cause, right? Whether it's either like an activist or a patriot or wh whatever you want to call it. If you're into the cause and you want to do your part because you you might feel like, hey, I, like I'm all about this. This isn't right. I feel strong about this. How can I help? Well, oh, you could install this thing which allows us to push traffic, right? So it's it's very easy because the more people you have, the, the, the more nodes in the network, to kind of make it generic, the more nodes in the network you have, the stronger the network is, the stronger the denial of service attack can be. And it's very easy to get people to opt into it. Now, distributed denial of service, denial of service in general, it's a fairly crude attack, meaning it, it, it doesn't require like elaborate sophistication. Some of them can be more sophisticated, but like what's going on here, they're either compromised assets that are being activated or it's people opting in or a combination of both, right? Um, and we're seeing it as just in effort. It's just a tool in the toolbox, kind of like, it's like a five iron in a golf bag if people are familiar with golf, right? Like you don't use it all the time, but it's got its purpose and it's, it's you know, it's good for, you know, the second shot on a par five or something like that, right? Like, you use it and they're seeing here like as countries like Finland applies for NATO, all of a sudden the Finland's getting slammed. Russia's about to invade Ukraine in March of 2022. Ukraine's government websites get denied the service attack. You know, some some politician or whatever speaks out about something, whatever. And, you know, their their site gets hit or, or the inability to donate uh, to their um, their cause or whatever goes down. Right. We, we see it all the time. It is very much a. Like if you're not familiar with denial of service attacks, this is a great opportunity, this story right here, to take pause, digest it, and look at it across kind of a, a, a chronological time period to see that this is kind of a standard playbook attack at this point. Uh, the way it's executed, when it's being used by certain threat actors, and you know, it, it, it's it's essentially, a, a, it's weaponized in this way. Now you will get some groups like Lizard Squad, um, who do like stressors and will knock commercial sites off offline like um, PlayStation Network or whatever. But I feel like just because of the volume of military activity and geopolitical strife, it's the, the numbers are washing out kind of those commercial com competition, commercial denial of service attacks uh, for much more of these geopolitical flexes on the world stage. So anyways, long story short. Denial of service attacks, standard practice in, in the cyber weapons playbook. Meta takes on influence campaigns. In a report released Tuesday morning, Meta said it took down a network of fake Facebook accounts from China attempting to interfere in American politics ahead of November midterm elections. Meta's report claims the accounts were posing as Americans, attacking politicians and posting about inflammatory issues. The small network of 84 accounts were not given a chance to grow. Meta did not claim the account network was linked to Chinese intelligence agencies, only that post occurred between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. in China. The report also describes the takedown of a larger 1,600-account Russia-based network focused on anti-Ukraine propaganda in Europe. This network produced fake social media posts and spoofed websites copying prominent news outlets. Facebook says this network was the largest of its kind we've disrupted since the war in Ukraine began.
Yeah. Okay, couple things here. One, obviously, on the world, the United States is a first world power. Guys, I'm going to do my best to keep this like uh, politics agnostic, uh, geopolitical agnostic. You guys know I'm not really well versed in that space. I'm not, um, you know, highly charged one way or the other. This isn't a politics show, okay? But let me let me just kind of point out a couple things. One, we saw with devastating effectiveness the 2016 election with inflammatory postings, division among the population, um, you know, very, very strong opinionated tweets to, to, to incite anger, incite uh, dissension. And this was Russia's playbook, allegedly, right? So it appeared for all intents and purposes that it was Russia. Fast forward a couple of years, we got another election cycle. Things are very... Um, politicized and polarized right now in the United States, unfortunately. And China, being a first world power, can look right at what Russia did and is like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, we can use this to kind of influence whatever our agenda is and help shape our narrative for the better. It is basic game based theory 101. China is going to do what is in the best interest of China. And if that involves doing something that can, instead of bringing China up, bringing the United States down, right? That also achieves the goal of, of, you know, that kind of power rankings. Okay. Russia's still doing it according to this. I, I do, I do believe honestly that the level of operations from Russian bot accounts and stuff like that is at a um, lower capacity simply because Russia is very focused on, they've got a lot going on both in the Eastern European theater with the military conflict and within their own borders with this conscription effort that they're doing right now that's not going great. Um, so I just feel like their focus isn't there. And, and thankfully, as a United States citizen, I'm glad their focus isn't there. Um, as we've seen all these stories about the United States intelligence community not having a great way to pivot, all the, the behaviors and techniques and processes they have in place to deal with information, misinformation, disinformation, campaign psyops um, is, is not evolved for 2022. So they're kind of a, a step behind and they're trying to play catch up. Uh, way to go, Facebook. Way to go, Meta. Uh, obviously, you know, it, to me, it looks like, oh, Facebook's a, an outstanding company who cares about, you know, all, you know, all of this. Um, again, I hate to be cynical, cash, hate to be cynical, but straight cash, homie. Like, obviously this probably has some, this probably has some monetary value. This is in the best interest of Facebook. Facebook is a for-profit business in a capitalistic society. They do have incentive to do things that would increase their revenue, increase shareholder value, etc. Doing this is a righteous move. Obviously, they don't want dissension and everything like this, but I can't help but think what is the end game value for Facebook? Like, you know, they're probably interested in more stability within the United States, which is where Meta you know, resides out in California. So those are just some of my high level thoughts. Hopefully uh, I didn't, you know, inflame anybody. Every, anybody's like super pissed about what I just said, but Spicy! light spice. That was like crushed red pepper spice. Okay. Study finds organizations deluged with cyber incidents. A new report from the security vendor Trellix found that the average SecOps team managed 51 cybersecurity incidents per day. 36% reported seeing significantly higher, dealing with between 50 to 200 incidents daily. 46% agreed to being inundated by a never-ending stream of cyber attacks. 
Siloed systems remained a common pain point, with 60% saying poorly integrated products reduced organizational efficiency in responding. This also appears to cost organizations money, with 84% saying they estimated losses from the incidents at up to 10% of annual revenue. Okay, 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 okay. Come on. We haven't had one of these in a while, guys. We haven't had one of these in a while. Global firms deal with 51 security incidents each day. Now, first of all, I want to just tell you, if you're dealing with this level of incidents per day, uh, it says global firms, so you got to think big companies, uh, which has a wider attack surface, which is going to have 51. Uh, but this is kind of a salacious headline that's probably objective and quantifiable in facts, but... Uh, it's it's leading you to be concerned of being overwhelmed by cyber incidents. Just want to remind you, Recon InfoSec does run MDR services. So if you don't have SecOps capability dealing with 51 incidents a day, uh, you could outsource that to SecOps. And if one of those incidents turns into a full-blown um, ransomware incident or serious breach, like a, you know, like a rash that's just spreading across your proverbial body, Barricade Cyber Solutions happens to be just the firm that you can call. Guys, there is a very deliberate reason why Simply Cyber is affiliated with Recon and Barricade Cyber Solutions. I believe in their products, and I think that they're um, complementary each other, actually. Um, but back to this story. Guys, here's what we haven't had in a while that immediately my antenna went up, right? This guy right here. Okay. From a report from Trellix. Huh, what's Trellix? Oh, Trellix is a company that sells SecOps services. How do you sell more SecOps services? You you, you convince everybody that- What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Lewis Diamond with the super chat. Thanks, Lewis. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Guys, here's the deal. This company sells SecOps capability. So they write a nice report that outlines how bad the security incidents are. How do you deal with security incidents if they're this bad? Oh, I don't know. Hire SecOps capability? Uh, right? So it's basically a puff piece marketing shaped in the um in the position of market research, right? So I'm I'm not gonna totally poo-poo them on this one, right? I haven't read the report. It is possible well, this is just goes to their webpage. But hey Justin Gold, thanks for uh thanks for renewing the membership, my friend. Um squad membership. Trellix may have done objective research, okay? Trellix may have done objective, quantifiable, defendable research, and this is true, and they're just using it as an opportunity. Okay, having said all that, they do point out 36% of respondents, which they had 9,000. Um, 9,000 is a very good amount of people for a poll. I'll just tell you right now, that's a very fair number to get uh, actual good metrics. 36% or... About 3,500 people claim they deal with 50 to 200 daily incidents. Obviously, that's going to have to deal with a lot of false positives, likely. They're not going to vet the uh, false positives out. So this number is obviously inflated already. 46% said they're inundated by a never-ending stream of cyber attacks. That's about half of businesses. Guys, here's the TLDR for this one, right? As much as I care about firms and uh, I care about the people more, this is what leads to SOC analyst burnout, y'all, right? This is what leads to SOC analyst burnout, being inundated, not having your sims and, and your, your tooling configured properly. So you're getting false positives. You're, you're running them down. You know, you're dealing with end users who are non-responsive. You know the box is compromised. You're reluctant to quarantine the box. Maybe you don't, you're not given the authority uh, within your, your power structure, your organization, uh, in order to just 
quarantine a box because you're going to ruin a sales, what? guys. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Oh, my man, Jeremy Williams with the super chat. Thanks, Jeremy Williams. Um, I'm just saying, like, 51 security incidents each day. There's a lot of false positives. I'm more concerned with SOC analyst burnout. If you are interested in becoming a SOC analyst, you need to be mindful of mental health and managing that appropriately and making sure that wherever you go work or if you're a SOC analyst right now, that your detections are configured and tuned or that's part of normal operating procedures so you're not just getting hammered with hundreds of alerts that you're supposed to go investigate and you just get overwhelmed and then you get apathetic and then you no longer care and then they have someone sitting in the seat who's not actually being super effective because it's called burnout. Thanks everybody for the super chats. Do do appreciate it. Let's do the read right now. Now thanks to today's episode sponsor, Votero. Can you trust that your content and data is free of malware and ransomware? With Votero, you can. Votero removes evasive and unknown malware from content in milliseconds <laughs> without impacting file fidelity or usability. It even works on password protected and zipped files. Plus, it's an API, so it integrates with everything, including Microsoft 365. Learn more at votero.com. Yeah. I do love it. I do love it. Some of the some of the blue team people in chat uh, saying saying things like "screw the sales guy," just quarantine the box and move on. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. Let me just do a quick read real quick here, real quick, guys. I don't know if South America came online, but hopefully, hopefully, super, uh, South America did come online. Yeah, the super chat sound. Thanks to Tom Pike. Uh, that was his idea. I do appreciate it, guys. I just want to tell you about two things really quickly. If you don't know, if you're into the red team things, the offensive side of the house, Res Siege uh, does host a weekly live half hour Zoom call. It's it's not a scheduled thing. I was the, you can see here. I was their guest last week. They haven't updated this. But if you're interested, I'll drop this link in chat. If you're interested in red and and, com and communicating and networking with just red people, um, I dropped it in chat. This is a really cool group of people like i said it's fast it's 30 minutes you can see no slides no talk no marketing none of that crap uh it's a good time also the reason i bring it up not just because i was the guest last week but recon infosec these guys right here are actually starting it's wednesday offensive they are starting a thursday defensive so i talk about recon all the time and eric capuano and the whole gang over there if you're interested, if you're a blue team member and you want to network, like obviously the Simply Cyber community is huge and it's very, very inclusive and supportive, but we do everything in here. GRC gets equal love, red, blue, vulnerability, security, uh, management, assets. All We do all of it here. CISOs are welcome, obviously. And, but if you want just blue people, check out Thursday Defensive. It's coming online next Thursday for the first the first instance, you can go to Recon InfoSec's Twitter handle, which I'll drop in chat right here, if you want to sign up. And just spoiler alert, their first guest next, next Thursday for their pilot launch first episode, inaugural episode, is two thumbs and smiles, this guy. So I'll be the first guest on Thursday Defensive. So obviously, um, I'd love it if some of you came out. Um, and, and, you know, supported the show and got value out of it, frankly. I do have high hopes for them. I think it's awesome. Uh, if you didn't know, I am on Twitter now. I've been making a concerted effort to add more value to my Twitter posts um, around breaking into the industry. I'm, I'm basically focusing on breaking in the industry and tools on my Twitter posts. So if you're not subbed over on Twitter, go check it out if, if you're into the stuff that I'm talking about. And if not, that's cool. 
that's not a big deal. We're all good here. Let's get back to the news. Australian police investigate Optus ransom. The embattled carrier disclosed that local police were investigating the release of personal data on 10,000 customers. This came along with the demand for $1 million in cryptocurrency. The threat actor later deleted the post with the data and seemed to apologize for the attack. Australian police began working with the FBI and other international law enforcement agencies to try to track down the attacker. Additionally, state governments in New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, and South Australia began the process of allowing victims of the attack to change their driver's license numbers and get new ID cards. Yeah, so you don't see this very often. Typically, when you're a criminal, you're all in on crime, okay? Well, if you're kind of a script kitty or, you know, you got one foot in, like, you know, you work a nine-to-five job, you're like basically Ed Norton in Fight Club, and you're kind of like, oh, my God, every day is the same. Uh, like life has no meaning, whatever. And then you're like, oh, look at this. I can be a sexy, like, you know, hacker on the side. I can live a double life. I win. Oh, boom. I crack Optus. Look at me. I'm all over the news. Oh, crap. Look at me. I'm all over. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Look. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want to be a hacker. I don't like the attention. Well, this dude is, and I'm assuming it's a dude, has you know, basically jumped the shark where he violated uh, uh, the largest telecarrier, as far as I know, in Australia. 9.8 million people's records dropped. He's got essentially the Australian FBI looking after them. I'm sure the fact that this individual apologized, told them that he didn't do anything with the data and wants it just to go away leads me to believe that this individual did not do anything around OPSEC, right? So Chris Rock, <laughs> if Chris Rock is listening, you know, he shared with us, like, if you're going to do something that is illegal uh, like this, you probably should compromise another asset, jump into their box, VPN all over the place, route through Friendster, then attack your target. You should not be sitting in your living room on your laptop with like Monday night football on the TV, barely paying attention and just hacking Optus in Australia. Yeah, it feels cool and sexy, but there's probably logs. There's probably, you know, network traffic flows. There's probably evidence on his machine, the data itself. Like I, I suspect when this, per okay, so here's my speculate. Okay, here's my, my um, here's my prediction, okay? This dude's going to get caught and it's going to come out that there's just a overwhelming amount of evidence connecting this one individual to this crime. And there's going to be it's going to be like an OPSEC LOL. It's we don't see it very often, guys. We normally associate this to end users, but this is a I guess a red team. Okay, not really red team, but a hacker. Uh, you never, I mean, not never, but you very, very rarely see uh, someone commit a crime and then backpedal as hard as this individual is doing. This guy is trying to hit the reset button on the Nintendo and just wipe, wipe the rim, uh, RAM, wipe the memory and just go back to a known good state. And unfortunately, my friend, that's not going to be possible. And if you're, if you're a member of the Simply Cyber community, um, <laughs> you, you better, you know, get good lawyer. American Data Privacy and Protection Act looks to narrow HIPAA gap. Back in July, the House Energy and Commerce Committee voted 53 to 2 to advance the bill. 
The ADPPA seeks to address privacy issues in underregulated spaces in the digital health data economy not covered under HIPAA. It would also provide for better enforcement, empowering the Federal Trade Commission with more resources and overt authority to regulate it. HIPAA enforcement falls to the resource-constrained Food and Drug Administration. The bill appears to have bipartisan support to not stall out as it makes its way through Congress. The bill would preempt states with local privacy laws. Yeah. All right. So I worked in healthcare for a very long time. HIPAA's fine. HIPAA is very much... HIPAA is very much a... Um, it, it was it was it it was formed in I believe 1996, right? It was put into law in 1996, so it it didn't really come online until 2003. It's 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 misunderstood. It's not awesome. It gets it gets bandied about as like you know a club, but guys, I, I worked in healthcare for a very long time. There is, with, okay, with all due respect, with all due respect, you've got to remember this. Physicians and healthcare providers speak their own language. They are hyper-focused on either delivering healthcare or developing treatments for healthcare, right? So doctors typically, doctor, doctors typically treat the disease. Nursing and clinical staff treat the patient, okay? That's a very you know fine distinction, but it's one that's true, okay? So we have HIPAA and like, oh, this is my privacy, but guys... This does need a refresh. We talked about how the government, the U.S. government is looking at privacy and how it's not implemented all, evenly all over the place. 18 different agencies can't even tell you where data is right now. We covered that news story a couple days ago. So this is interesting. Um, I think with all that's going on, it seems kind of um, maybe not as important as bigger picture things like a federal privacy law. But I digress. This does need updating, but a couple of things that I want to point out. HIPAA doesn't cover everything, guys. Like my, your, like so I run, okay, and all of my uh, metrics, like how much air I take in, and how many steps I take, and my heart rate, and health, and all these other things. Apple, right? If you have Apple Health and it tracks, you know, like your blood sugar levels if you're diabetic, and all, all, all of that healthcare information, right? Maybe you have a a log that you type in. Um, on your mental health state and stuff like that, it gets very dicey because HIPAA only applies to certain groups of entities on having to protect the privacy. Apple, for example, does not claim that they are a covered entity, which is one of these groups that are covered, or a business associate. They say they provide a platform. I, as an individual, am putting my own information in there. That is not their problem. That is my problem. So, you know, it's not as cut and dry as whatever. And guys... Uh, the Office of Civil Rights is the one that levies um, fines and does investigations. They are severely understaffed and they get hammered all the time uh, with 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 like complaints. So pe they don't have the bandwidth to investigate all of them. So they end up just slapping. They only go after the egregious ones or the repeat offenders and stuff like that. So this is this is fine on the surface and it's used as like a boogeyman to scare people into complying. But the teeth of it. Yes, there's a wall of shame, and yes, certain people get huge fines, but by and large, I would say a, a large percentage uh, don't, and it needs updating. ITU election takes shape. The International Telecommunications Union is a 157-year-old organization originally formed to coordinate telegraphs across countries. In 1949, it integrated into the United Nations system. It does not govern the internet, but does have 193 member countries and 900 participating organizations. 
This allows it to decide on things that affect the internet. That scope means you have a lot of countries agreeing with its decisions. So who runs it has a lot of influence over the internet, particularly over standards and interoperability. And this week in Romania, the ITU is choosing a new head to succeed China's Zhao Hu Lin, who led the ITU for the past eight years. It's down to two people, former U.S. Commerce Department telecom exec Doreen Bogdan Martin and seemingly perpetual Russian Deputy Minister of Telecommunications Rashid Ismailov. Wow. Okay. So, oh my God. Okay. So this is really interesting. Uh, keep an eye on this, guys. This this is this is interesting. This is almost like on the level of like net neutrality in the FCC a couple years ago in the United States. Guys, the internet doesn't care about your geopolitical boundaries or who's in charge or anything. It is a it's a technology that is accessible to global citizens. Uh, but as it becomes more, I mean, in 2022, guys, it's basically as 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 necessary as you know, I mean, not water, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's necessary, right. For, for modern, for modern life, right. You know, so policy is being dictated on how it's used internationally. It used to be like different countries would kind of manage their own expectations, their own policy, their own everything. But as it, as boundaries have melted, as crypto has come online and, and had like a global economy, uh, in financial markets and all this other crap, the UN, the United Nations is set to say, okay, we need some like international laws, especially guys with cyber war and international norms for war and how cyber doesn't map into that. So UN's doing this. What is interesting and the reason that we should keep an eye on this is because there's kind of two factions, right? There's the, you know, NATO type faction, which the United States is part of. And then there's, there's like Russia and China. Um, which have their own agendas and everything like that. But the two people left to be in charge of it is a Russian guy who I don't know his political affiliations, whether he's like pro-Russia or he's pro-whatever, or uh, this other individual who sounds like they're on the other side of the coin. So very polarizing. I don't know what it indicates. Like if, if the Russian guy wins, if it's going to be, again, follow game theory, like policy and decision-making would shape best to support and facilitate Russian's uh, own, you know, agenda. Obviously, um, the the panel of 193 countries would have to be somewhat supportive in this. But if you have ever looked at um, the way Russia handles UN uh, interactions around defining um, what's defined as an act of war, very interesting posturing, very interesting political movements, very much like a Game of Thrones type thing. I think that this would be also on that same page. So for the final thing I'll say about this, for me, this is very interesting to keep an eye on, not just on who wins that election, but what policy decisions they make going forward. Oracle settles with SEC on bribery. The settlement resolves charges that the company violated the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act for the second time. The SEC claimed the company used a slush fund to pay bribes to foreign officials in India, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates from 2016 to 2019. This follows a settlement on similar charges dating back to 2012 in India. Oracle does not deny or admit to the SEC's findings in the settlement, but will pay $23 million. I, I, I love it when businesses are like, we do not admit fault. How much is the fine? I'll get my checkbook. It's like, bro, like no one's paying $23 million. Which, by the way, to Oracle is like, you know, petty cash. But no one's paying $23 million for something they didn't do, right? 
or or they don't want you to uncover something worse. So, uh, you know, it, it's all, I you know, whatever. At this level of capitalism, it's always like a, a, a posturing game. This is like a 24-hour news cycle thing. No one's going to remember that Oracle got hit for $23 million, just like TikTok got a $23 million fine the other day. Whatever, petty cash, moving on. Um, but, dude, bribed foreign officials? This is what happens at this level, people. You know, oh, we want to sign a billion-dollar deal with, like, this country exclusively agrees to use our product for their national infrastructure or whatever. Even look at the United States. I'm not saying any wrongdoing was happening, but Amazon and Microsoft were in the finals uh, for some super huge billion-dollar contract for like a 10-year contract. I forget exactly what it was for. It was definitely for cloud services, but I don't remember in what capacity. And Microsoft won it. And Amazon like declared like, oh, foul play. Like, let's rebid this contract. It's a billion dollars, guys. So I'm again, I'm not saying any wrongdoing, but if if some key decision maker gets $20 million in unmarked bills, that's a fraction of what the contract is worth. But to that one individual, $20 million is pretty sweet. Or, you know, we'll hire your entire family onto staff where they don't actually have to show up to work, but they all have million-dollar salaries. Or or what, whatever, man. This bribing and corruption goes back all the way to modern society. Like, modern mean, like, Roman Empire with, like, you know, politicians and all this, dude. Like, like bribery... It's, it's, it's not a fair playing field, but human nature, man, it, it's, it's, how it, it's how it happens. All right, we're, we're running close on time. A reminder to join us next week for a very special Super Cyber Friday. Yeah. Our topic of discussion will be hacking the CISO series. We're turning four years old. Let's go join here. Us Hold to on one second. all the people behind the CISO series, including 14 guests. That includes all the... There we go. All right, guys. I beat base case tries to keep me on time, 45 minutes. I do want to remind everybody, if you're having a good time, you like the vibes of Simply Cyber at 11.30 a.m. today, uh, Eastern Time, which is basically in three hours from right now, I will be live on stream playing Red versus Blue. Uh, I'll be playing against the AI. I will be emulating Black Matter, the ransomware threat group that I think is a tier one operator uh, in the ransomware space. They're very, very good. They reinvest back into their business. They you know, add functionality and features to their products, etc. Uh, so 11.30 a.m. Eastern today. If you hit the bell for notifications, if that's your jam, or if you're on the Discord server and you have the SC notify role, which you can get if you go to reaction roles, it tells you exactly how to get it. You will be notified when I go live. So you won't miss a minute of the action. Um, I love it. I can't wait to play this. It's going to be good. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to kick in the front door of this business and then I'm going to ransomware all of their end users, including Carl. All right, so Carl's going to get ransomware. AD is going to get ransomware. No one is safe. No quarter. No quarter when it comes to Black Matter ransomware threat operations. Guys, I know we went a couple minutes over. Much love for the super chats. I definitely appreciate it, Jeremy. And and all the individuals, uh, let me scroll back here. I, I'm sorry. I, uh, Jeremy gave the super chat. I loved it. Uh, Justin Gold with the squad membership and Lewis Diamond with the super chat. I, I genuinely appreciate the support, guys. I hope you got value out of today's stream. I'll go back and look at the likes and see if it had any influence. Uh, you tell me if people in chat were like, oh, first time here. Every single weekday morning, we do the daily cyber threat briefing. 
I hope you can join us again if this was your first time. Uh, tomorrow it'll be at 10 a.m. because I teach in the morning. And stay tuned, guys. Big things coming up next week. I will be raffling off. Um, I believe I'll be raffling off um, Honeypot Solutions, like Plug and Play Honeypot Solutions, which is pretty cool. And then two, there will be some programming changes next week that could impact folks. Uh, some special times um, on when I can go live, uh, essentially for the for those who are still here and care. Um, I'll be taking my kids to school Wednesday through Friday next week. I drop them off at 8 a.m. What Guess what else happens at 8 a.m.? The Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. So we'll have to push that uh, probably to 9 a.m. just for a couple days. Uh, special times just to accommodate for my personal obligations and responsibilities. Uh, but hope everybody got value. Thanks so much. I hope to see you at 1130 a.m. later today. Be good, everybody.